Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to the second chapter of Malachi. Malachi chapter 2. As we continue in the study of this minor prophet that has no minor message whatsoever. A prophet who speaks truth and a prophet who is calling the people of God back to obedience. Uh, who is calling the people of God to see his glory and revel in that glory and walk in that glory and walk in obedience. It's an amazing passage. It's an amazing uh, few chapters. It's not long, so it's called minor. But again, as I remind you, there is nothing minor about what the prophet Malachi or any of the other minor prophets have to say for that matter. We've looked at chapter 1 already, and we've seen him pinpoint the priest for just a moment uh, in, in his passage there. But he's also in that first chapter really hit the people about how they come to worship, that they come with, a, with, a, with, with sort of a casualness. They come with a, without a real intent on worship. They come without really focusing on the one in whom they're worshiping. And they bring what they don't need. They bring what is left over. They bring what they think they can get by with. And, and Malachi says to them, why don't you try to pay your taxes with that? See if your governor will be pleased with that. See if the government will accept that which is less than perfect and see if you can get by with it. And, and of course, his implication is, or his, his, his statement is, they won't. And God will not either. That we are to come to God, as we've talked about, in worship, in sincerity. We're to come to God in worship, bringing Him the best that we have, not just what's left over in our life. And that goes far beyond money or possessions. It, it goes to the whole point of giving our whole selves to Him. And focusing upon him as the source of our life and the source of our hope. Now in chapter 2, he's going to come back. As a matter of fact, verse 1, he says, Now, this commandment is for you, O priest. And, and I, want to, I want to kind of stop there for a minute and be sure that you don't kind of tune out at that point. I don't want you saying, oh, well, he's just, he's just talking to preachers there. He's just talking about those who are spiritual leaders or worship leaders. He's not, he's not talking to me. That's not it at all. Understand, we don't have a Levitical priesthood as they did in Malachi's day. The, the priests did go before God for the people. They offered the sacrifices for the people. But understand that in the New Covenant, which Brother Ricky read about a while ago in the, in, in the hearing of the Word, in the New Covenant, we don't have priests like that. As a matter of fact, in the New Covenant, we are all priests. We are all called to a holy priesthood. Peter dealt with that in, in his epistle at that Brother Todd's been preaching or teaching on Sunday evenings in our, in our equipping, grace equipping ministry. In chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10, Peter says there, I want you to understand this about who you are as believers. He says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. That's every believer. You're a royal priesthood, the priesthood of all believers. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He said, listen, you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy from God. And he says, because of that, because of all that God has done in making you a chosen race, a holy priesthood, and calling you into himself, being a God unto you who had no God, showing mercy to you who saw no mercy, knew no mercy, he said, that ought to be a reason for reflecting back to him worship and glory and leading in worship and everything you do, whether it's in your personal life, your family life, or your church life. We are all now priests who are in Christ Jesus before the Lord. In the new covenant, we all serve as priests. So there is a sense in which when, when Malachi speaks these words of, of chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, he's talking to every one of you. But I will say there is application that I want to deal with a little bit this morning that has to do with those who lead in worship, those pastors who lead in the worship of the living God. Now, you might be tempted to say, then, Bill, just go read it for yourself. It doesn't relate to me. That's could not, nothing could be further from the truth. What he's going to talk about here are some principles, if you will, of what it means to lead in worship and lead the people of God. And all of you, at some time or another in your life, uh, may not be a pastor, may not be leading a church in that capacity, but at one time or another, you're always looking for a pastor. You're looking for a spiritual leader. You're looking for a worship leader. Now, everybody in this room is going to be doing that. Some of you are doing it right now because you're our guest and you're looking for a church home. What are you going to look for in the pastors who lead in the congregation that you're going to, you're going to ultimately find and ultimately join? What are you looking for in a worship leader in that capacity? But also, quite honestly, and sometimes as I get older, I don't like to be quite this honest, but one of these days, you're going to be looking for a new senior pastor and other pastors to lead in this church. You're going to be looking for those who lead in ministries, who lead, lead in various uh, areas, and one who will stand in this pulpit on a consistent basis. What are you going to be looking for? Are you going to be looking for somebody that is just real charismatic and, and everything that I'm not, you know, that will just come in and kind of wow you with his charisma? Then you're going to be looking for the wrong thing. Are you going to be looking for somebody who will come in and make you feel really good about yourself in every circumstance and tell you how good you are at all times? If that's the case, you'll be looking for somebody a lot like what Malachi is condemning in this passage. I'll never forget years ago, a church I pastored in Stone Mountain, Georgia. The pastor who was there two times, two before me, there was one in between me and him, uh, this particular pastor had grown the church unbelievably. People were coming from everywhere, all the local TV stars, you know, the newsmen and, and, and the newscasters. They were all flocking to the church, and, and everything was growing great. There, there was only one thing wrong. He was doing everything by his charisma. He was involved in immorality behind the scenes. He was involved with, with people, women who were not his wife behind the scenes. He, he was doing all sorts of things, and and it was beginning to come to light and beginning to come to the surface. And another church came looking for him. And, and rather than deal with it as they should have, the leaders, the, the lay leaders of that church said, well, let's just let it lie right now because he's probably going to leave us anyway. And you know what he did? Another church came from a, a city just south of where we were and, and, and they called him as pastor. And, and he went there and he did exactly the same thing except there. He was caught for embezzling about $150,000 and ultimately ended up in jail because of his embezzlement. I remember seeing some years later, as I was serving as pastor of that church, I met the chairman of the pastor search committee of that other church. 
And I felt really bad. I thought, I really need to apologize for what the church I pastor now had done to that church by not telling them what had taken place, by just letting it kind of happen. So I went to him and I, I said, you know, I, wanna, I just want to offer and ask forgiveness for what our church did to you. They didn't tell you the character of this man. They didn't tell you the things that were happening that they knew not to just be rumor but to be fact. And they decided the easiest thing to do was just let you take him off their hands and they would not be bothered with it anymore. I felt grieved until the pastor search chairman who I was talking with from this other church said, oh, well, pastor, don't feel too bad about that. What? He said, you know, we knew all that. We knew what was going on. We, we knew the rumors. We knew the, that that was probably taking place. But, you know, this man just had an ability to attract people. He was very charismatic. We felt like he, he, we needed someone who would come and do in our church what he had done at, Indian, at the church he was at, and, and it would build up the, the, our church and draw the people in. And we just felt like his personality was what we needed totally disregarding godliness, totally disregarding what was taking place in that man's life just because he was charismatic, just because he really could wow the people. And he did, and they paid for it. Malachi is concerned that the leaders, the spiritual leaders, the worship leaders, not be like that man and not be someone who's living a double life, living out in front of you as one person, living a, a shadow life in another way behind the scenes. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be perfect. I want you to understand that from the beginning. When I stand here and I say to you, this is what God desires, this is what God demands of those who lead in worship, I want you to understand I'm not saying I'm perfect. I have no struggles in my life. I have no areas where I have to come to repentance before the Lord. Because I do. And, and God is not saying here that a worship leader must be perfect, but he's saying a worship leader must desire perfection. They must desire what he's talking about here. And when you're looking for a pastor, whether it's years from now when I either retire or die, and, and that's why I'm a little afraid to even talk about it. I'm getting too close to that. Not necessarily the retirement part. But, uh, you know, you're going to be looking for somebody, and you're going to want to look for somebody, not that just as charismatic and can draw a crowd. You're going to be looking for somebody, I hope, that fulfills what God expects for leaders. Because when worship leaders fail, title my sermon, when worship leaders fail, it is catastrophic for the entire congregation. Listen to what Malachi says. All that by way of introduction to say what we're talking about. We're not talking about the same type of priest today that Malachi is talking about. And now this commandment is for you, O priest. If you do not listen, and if you do not take to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring. And I will spread refuge on your faces and the refuge of your feast, and you will be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my commandment may continue, excuse me, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. 
My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of the priest should, persevere, should preserve knowledge, and men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way, and have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction, or showing partiality, partiality in dealing with the law, with the Word of God. This is God's Word, and it's important that we hear it. There are two things overriding in these verses that, that Malachi wants us to see, and then there are four specific things in, in verses 5 through 9. The, the two general things that, Malachi is cry, that God is crying out through Malachi for the people to hear and for the priests to hear and then communicate to all the people is this. In verses 1 through 3, Malachi wants them to come to a point of a love for God's glory. In, in verses 1 through 3, he's talking about honoring his name. Well, and that word name is used there, and of course you have the two usages here in this passage. You have the name of the Lord, and, and, and my name, and you have the Lord of hosts. It was amazing. The first Sunday we were in Malachi, and I talked about the Lord of the hosts, uh, the two of our, our, middle, our, our elementary school teachers came to me right after. They were all excited. They said, we spent the whole morning talking about the Lord of hosts. That was our whole study that morning, and then it got reaffirmed in here. The Lord of hosts is the Lord of many, the Lord of multitudes, the the Lord of all the earth is what he's talking about. And when he says, I want my name to be a point of honor, my name is something that reflects not just Yahweh, not just that name, not just calling him God as we call him God, but it reflects his whole character. When he says, I want you to give honor to my name, he's saying, I want you to give honor to who I am and what I am, and what is to be proclaimed among the people. When he says, I want you to give honor to my name, he's not just saying, say God every now and then, or say Yahweh every now and then, or even say Jesus every now and then. He's saying, I want you to reflect, and I want you to demonstrate, and I want you to speak the glory of who I am in all its totality. I want you to be a priest or a messenger of of mine that will speak to the people and lead them to a place as now in the new covenant priesthood of all us as believers to come to a point of honoring and glorifying my name. That's the first thing he wants us to do. Come to that point of showing a love for God's glory, a love for his name. Then in the second part in verses 4 through 9, God speaks through Malachi and he says, listen, I pray, I want the people to love God completely in an understanding and a love for his word. He's concentrating that last part of this passage on knowledge, the knowledge of God and instruction of God. He says, I want my people to honor my name, love my glory, and I want my people to know my name and know my word and instruct those in in my word to one another. Now, a worship leader is charged with instruction to the body, the totality 
of God's word. But you, as priests in the new covenant, as those who are in Christ Jesus, are also instructed to instruct one another, to teach one another, to speak the word of God to one another, to encourage one another by the word. Yeah, I, I loved what, what Dustin and, and, and Matt sang this morning. And that was, a, that was a word of encouragement. And it was the scripture that they were singing. You know, I didn't have to read that, the passages that they asked me to read because they were singing those passages. They were singing that, that God is with you even in the midst of difficult times. Trust Him, know Him, honor Him, and believe Him no matter what's going on. And that's what Malachi is saying to the priest and to the people that they have to come to a point of understanding. He says in verse 2, if you, if you listen, if you do not listen, if you do not take heart or give honor to my name, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the curse upon you. And I'm going to curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already done that. What in the world does that mean? It means you have the blessing of being a covenant people. You have the blessing of knowing God. You have the blessings of God's word. And yet you are so disregarding it. You are not listening to what I have to say. You're not giving honor to my name. I'm just going to curse your blessings. Even though you think, oh, I'm the people of God. I'm the chosen of God. I, I'm, the, I, I'm of Israel. You know, I've got everything going for me. I'm God's people. You're not. I want you to understand, that's going to become a curse to you. Because those who have the word of the Lord are held to a higher accountability than those who don't. And God is simply saying here through Malachi, I'm going to hold you accountable in light of the blessings that you have. And if you don't hear me, if you don't understand what I'm saying, if you don't submit to me and honor my name, even those blessings are going to become a curse to you. So I'm going to, I'm going to take refuse, refuse, trash, garbage. It even gets worse than that. Literally, it can be translated vomit and i'm going to smear it on your faces and, and i'm going to take the the refuge that is a part that's left over after all these sacrifices you know the blood and the and the carcasses and everything that are carted off to be destroyed i'm just going to cart you off with them oh priest who will not abide in my honor who will not love my honor and love my name and honor my name he's, he's talking here about a very severe judgment and he says, when that happens, you'll know that I've sent the commandment to you that my covenant may continue with Levi. He's saying, listen, my covenant is true. My covenant abides. My covenant is something that I have established with Levi, and that will not be broken even if you choose to be disobedient and not honor it. I, I want to say the covenant in Christ is true. The covenant in Christ is something that will not be broken. But there is certain judgment, there's certain, there's certain discipline that will come upon those who say, well, I'm in Christ, but I do whatever I want to do. I don't have to obey. I don't have to trust. I don't have to follow. I don't have to do what God says. I'll do whatever I desire to do. Malachi's word is saying to us, love him, love his glory, and love his word. Then in verses 5 through 9, he talks about my covenant was with Levi as one of life and peace. And I gave them to him, life and peace in the covenant. I gave them to him as an object of reverence. They were to, 
They were to bring him to a point of reverence where he revered the name of the Lord, where he, where he honored the glory of God in everything that he did. And then he says, I, I want you to know there are four things. There are four things about Levi that I'm not seeing among my people today in Malachi's day. And, and perhaps he's not seeing it among his people today in 2014. He said, there's four things that are so important. And I want you to know, in the future, when you're looking for a pastor, a, a, a worship leader, when you're looking for someone to serve as one who brings the word, these are the four things you ought to be looking for. And these are the four things you ought to be desiring in your own life every single day. Number one, he says at the last part of, of verse 5, he said, he revered me and he stood in awe of my name. The first quality of someone who is truly a worship leader of God, a spiritual leader before God, would, would be one who stands in awe of God and who fears God, and that fear leads to the desire of obedience to God's Word every day in his or her life. There's this awesomeness at standing in the presence of a holy God. There is this fear that comes about when we stand in the presence of a holy God. Now, now, I realize we live in a day that likes to downplay the fear of the Lord, although the Proverbs and the Psalms both say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that, that until you fear Him, you'll never really know Him. Until you fear Him in a godly awe, in a godly fear, you'll never really, you'll never really understand His Word as you ought to. You'll never have the knowledge of Him or the knowledge of His Word. I mean, the scripture is pretty clear on that. But we live in a day that says, I don't want to fear God. I want to like God. I don't want a God who is sovereign. I don't want a God who is majestic. I don't want a God who, who causes me to kind of stand in awe of him. I want a God I can slap him on the back and say, hey, he's my best buddy. I saw that on a bumper sticker last night as I was driving my car. It said, God's my best buddy. I went, well, there's an element of truth in that. But there's an element that caused me to just kind of cringe just a little bit. Hope that wasn't your car. I saw that on. It caused me to cringe just a little bit. Because there is a sense in which when we see God in all his holiness, and we see God in all his majesty, as we sang about this morning, we will have a lot of the same response that Isaiah did in Isaiah 6. In the year when King Uzziah died, probably about 740 or so B.C., in the year in which King Uzziah died, Isaiah went to the temple, as did all the people, kind of like when, when leaders have died in our country, everybody just rushed to the churches, you know. In the year in which King Uzziah died, I went into the temple and I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw him sitting on his throne and I saw the veil, his veil filling the temple and I saw smoke and, and the threshold shook and there was all sorts of things going on there. I saw seraphim flying around his throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God who was and who is and who is to come. And when I saw the Lord high and lifted up, I walked into the temple and I said, hey God, I'm glad you're here. Is that what he did? He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and I fell prostrate on my face. And I cried out, Oh, woe is me, 
Woe is the word of destruction. Oh, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I got a dirty mouth. I have sin in my mouth. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And I've seen the Lord. This vision of the temple, I've seen the Lord high and lifted up, filling the temple with his presence. I've seen the Lord. I am undone. Isaiah expected to immediately be disintegrated. Just, just, just immediately to just vanish and be no more. It said that the Lord had one of his angels fly to the coals that were on the, on the altar. And he, with tongs, he took a coal off the altar and he flew over to, to, to where Isaiah was and he touched his lips with the coal and, he, and the Lord said, you know, your, your lips are cleansed now. The, the, your lips have been purified now. You've seen the Lord, but he's shown mercy on you. He's given you forgiveness. And you, you acknowledge your sin. You repent of your sin before me. And you have now been cleansed by the coal from the, from the fire of the altar. Isaiah still didn't get up and say, oh, goody, now I've been cleansed. I'm in the presence of God. God said, so who shall go for us? Who shall we send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah's response was, here am I, Lord, send me. I've known your mercy. I've known your grace. I know your forgiveness. I know your cleansing now. Lord, here am I, send me. That's what, that's what Malachi is saying has to be our first response if we're going to live in God's world as God's representatives, as God's priests, and as God's worship leaders, we must first come to him with the same attitude that Isaiah had in the temple. Here am I, Lord. Cleanse me. I've seen the Lord. I shake. I tremble in fear. I revere you and stand in awe before you. That's something that really strikes a person who sees and begins to understand the glory of God. Second thing Malachi says is there in verse 6. He says, not only do I want my worship leaders revering me and standing in awe of me and presenting me as a holy God and a God worthy of worship, but true instruction was in Levi's mouth. True instruction was in Levi's mouth. The second thing God is looking for here in a, in a worship leader or in his priest in our world is that these spiritual leaders are going to be committed to the truth of God's word. They're, they're going to be committed to the truth of God's word. They're not committed to the latest survey. They're not committed to the latest polls. They're not committed to, to asking everybody, well, what do you want? What do you, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to preach? What do you want us to teach? But, but this spiritual leader is committed to true instruction. He's committed to the truth of God's word above everything else. And yes, he will say things sometimes that will not be pleasant. He will say things sometimes that will not stroke your back or stroke your head. He will say things sometimes that really do sting and hurt because he loves the word more than he loves and he loves God and His Word more than he loves the approval of people. See, what had happened here with the, with the priest in Malachi's day is they had just become people pleasers. 
Oh, yeah, bring whatever you want. Yeah, oh, that's fine. Come on, Will. Yeah, you want to, that's all right. Just, yeah, God will love you anyway. Don't worry about it. I mean, they become people pleasers rather than saying, no, this is what the Lord requires. You're looking for a worship leader, a pastor. I hope it'll be more than just looking for somebody who'll come and say what, they, what you want to hear. Someone who will come and be committed to the truth of God's word above everything else. We made that commitment as Grace Baptist Church almost eight years ago. Matter of fact, two weeks from today is our eighth anniversary, and we'll celebrate that. And and one of the things, you know, we did little things. We we met in here on several occasions on the concrete and on the steel beams, just to write the word of the Lord on the on the beams and on the floor. And if you could strip off all this drywall and pull up this carpet, you would you would see God, and even back in the classrooms, you'd see God's word everywhere. That's why in the in the foundation, right directly below this pulpit, is God's word opened in a box, highlighted with I am not for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for there's a power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first, then to the Greek, to all who believe. It's the power of salvation. It's there that we might be reminded where our foundation really is. It's in God's word and God's truth. And that's what Malachi is saying here. There will be true instruction in the mouth as it was in Levi's day. Third thing, he says, not only stands in awe of God, not only speaks the truth of God's word, but the third thing Malachi says look for is look for a spiritual leader in whose life unrighteousness is not the norm. Unrighteousness is not on his lips, Malachi says, but, but he walked in the peace and walked in uprightness with God as, as Levi did. Uh, unrighteousness was not found on his lips. It simply means there his life is characterized by a pursuit of godliness. A pursuit of holiness. Not a pursuit of wealth. Not a pursuit of popularity. Not a pursuit of of. of what he can get out of this world, but a pursuit of God, pursuit of holiness, pursuit of godliness. Malachi says, listen, God is saying that Levi, even though he was not perfect, he walked with me in peace and uprightness. And by doing that, he turned many back from iniquity. You see, that's my desires, a worship leader. My desire as a priest among other priests, among you, is that, that somehow in speaking God's word, somehow in pursuing godliness from this pulpit and pursuing it in our lives, I would be able to turn some back from, from their, their iniquity, that is sin. That when spiritual leaders are not characterized by a desire for this, when worship leaders are not characterized by a desire of walking with God and demonstrating His holiness in their lives, other people make excuses. I was pastoring that church in the 1980s, and I, I heard many people making excuses for their lifestyle because of the pastor, two pastors before me. He didn't pursue holiness, he didn't pursue godliness, he pursued his own pleasure. And, and they excused their own pursuit of pleasure on the basis of what he had done. 
Well, let me remind you once again, as I will remind you thousands, hopefully millions of times in my tenure as your pastor, while I'm desiring that, while I'm seeking to pursue that, I want you to understand something. I'm not the standard that you're to try to seek to be like. Christ is the standard. And while I will disappoint you, I will let you down, I will forget things you ask me to do, and I will do things that you'll be disappointed in, he never will. He never will. So we pursue his holiness, we pursue his godliness. And there's one final thing Malachi says about spiritual leaders, worship leaders. Verse 7, it says, For the lips of the priest should preserve knowledge, and men should seek their instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. He's the messenger of God. Doesn't mean that I, I come up with something and say, okay, because I say it, that's from God. I'm a messenger of his word in this book by his Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. And when I'm speaking the truth of this book, I'm speaking as his messenger. I, I won't tell you things that he doesn't deal with. I don't, I don't tell you how to vote, although I'm very political in my own nature. And I may make innuendo from time to time, and, and, uh, and if you ask me in secret, I might tell you something. But from this pulpit, as a messenger of God, I won't tell you things like that. I won't, I'll try my very best not to give my opinion. Because my opinion's really worth nothing unless it's rooted in, grounded in, and proclaiming God's Word. So the fourth thing, the one who is a worship leader should preserve knowledge, knowledge of God. They must be committed to the preservation and preserving the knowledge of God among the people. That's why I point to him. I want you to know him. I, I want you to know what he's like. I want you to know his character. But more than that, I want you to have an intimate relationship with him. Because he is your Lord. Because you are in Christ if you indeed are in Christ. Men and women will seek instruction from the spiritual leader. Doesn't mean he has all the answers. Doesn't mean I'm I'm or any other pastor or worship leader a a walking encyclopedia that just kind of... uh, That's that's so 1970s, isn't it? I'm not a walking Google, okay? Make it relevant. You know, I don't have all the answers. I, I can't just call them up at will and say, oh, yes, I can tell you that answer. But the leader, the worship leader, should be one who seeks to help you discover those answers from God's Word. And, and so when we come together, when, you, when you're looking for a pastor, whether you're looking for one uh, now as you're looking for a church home or whether you'll be looking for one in years to come, when I'm gone and, and other pastors on the staff are gone, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Ask these kind of questions. Ask these kind of questions about their life and their character and their, their walk with the Lord and how they see Him and how they stand before Him. 
Do they do it flippantly or do they do it with a real genuine awe of his presence? How do they seek to lead the body? Is it just to lead the church to be big? Man, a lot of people can draw a crowd and not be a church. You can look around our country right now and see that. A lot of things have names, church on them, are not really churches. They're just a, they're just a conglomeration of people who like to be there because it's fun. Or do they seek to they seek to have true instruction in their mouths? Do they seek to walk in holiness and in godliness, seeking that before the Lord, even if not in perfection? Do they seek to preserve the truth of the knowledge of God above everything else? Folks, we live in a day that just kind of chafes at Malachi's words. We live in a day that kind of says, whoa, ho, ho, ho. that's hard. Had somebody asked me this weekend, well, is Malachi going to bring conviction again tomorrow? This person wanted to hear what the word of the Lord said. But sometimes we say, man, I don't want to hear that. I just, just tell us we're doing okay. Tell us everything's all right. Everything is all right if you're in Christ. I want you to understand that. He is a covenant-keeping God, and if you are in Christ, he will keep that covenant. Doesn't mean he won't discipline you. The writer of Hebrews said, those whom he loves, those whom are really his children, he disciplines when they fail to give him awe, when they fail to honor his name, when they fail to pursue him and pursue godliness in their life. He will discipline, yes, but he doesn't break his covenant. The key is being in Christ. A lot of people are religious that aren't in Christ. A lot of people sitting in churches all across this land, and maybe even right here this morning, they're very religious, but they're not in Christ because they've never trusted Christ alone still hoping that their good works will do enough for them. They're still hoping that, that somehow, you know, God will grade on the curve and, and I'm not nearly as bad as that pastor Bill talked about a little bit ago. I'm not anywhere near that. So maybe God gives a curve. Folks, God doesn't grade on the curve. God doesn't weigh in the balances and if your good outweighs your bad, you're accepted. There's only one way you're accepted. And that is if you're in Christ. That's it. By faith. Paul said to the Ephesian Christians, he said, By grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And if by grace, through faith, you have trusted Christ and are in Christ, in that new covenant, then you're secure. Doesn't mean you say, Oh, good, I'll do all the bad I want to do. That's not the issue. The issue is if you're in Christ, it changes your heart, it changes your desires, it changes your wants. You want to pursue him. You want to pursue his truth. You want to pursue godliness. Because as that psalm we read this morning, Psalm 93, which by the way was the first passage I ever preached from in Somerset, Kentucky, 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. That last 
phrase. It says, for holiness befits the household of God. Those who are in his household, his family. The only thing that befits you, the only thing that looks good on you, the only thing that is normal for you is his holiness, his righteousness clothing you. Will you still sin? Bet on it. Will you still have to fall before his face and say, Lord, I messed up again? Yeah. If you're in Christ, there will be a desire. There will be a passion. There will be a motivation to pursue his godliness, pursue his holiness, to be like him. Let's pray. Father, the words of Malachi are so powerful. They cause us to look at ourselves. They cause us to examine ourselves. Lord, as I worked on this this week, you've pierced my heart more than one time. Lord, you've done it again this morning. Father, I pray that you will, you will mold us into men and women who love your name, love your glory, share the instruction of your truth with others, minister to one another your word not our opinions. Father, I pray you make us a people at Grace Baptist Church that, that literally stand in awe of you. And that will change us that we may show your awe to a world that really needs to see something that is awesome and that's you. Father, I don't know what you're doing in men and women's hearts right now. I believe you're at work. I believe you're pointing to our indifference and pointing to our complacency, even though we're in Christ, and saying, listen, I want to do a work in your life that can only be explained by my presence. Lord, open our hearts to receive that. Open our eyes to see that. Open our, open our minds to think your thoughts after you, O oh Lord. Mold us. Mold us individually and mold us as a body. Is that what you've called us to be? And Lord, give us a heart for worship. Bring us, as we're about to sing, to the heart of worship. That's all about you. Not about me. Not about my wants. Not about what I like. It's all about you. Help us see that, Lord, and help us respond to you in that truth. Father, I pray for men and women, young people here that don't know you. 
never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord. Father, I pray right now that you will break their hearts over their sin and over their rebellion against you. And Lord, you will bring them to faith in Christ. And let them confess that, Lord. Father, give us a chance to talk with them and share with them. Help them see your glory. Thank you, Father. Deal with us in accordance with your word. For I pray in Jesus' name.